Hello everyone, I'm Susan Hopkins and welcome to the Self-Reg Show. This is the podcast with Stuart Shanker where we focus on all things self-reg, which is truly his life's work. There's an awful lot to it, uh, an awful lot of stories to tell, some science to explore, and uh, all kinds of chances to think about, you know, how do we take the science and apply it to uh, being human beings, being educators, being parents, uh, being in schools, being in the early years, and, and I'm really convinced it's become my life's work uh, for the last eight, nine years now, and, and it will be because I'm convinced it truly is the, the game changer that, that we need for our world right now. So welcome, Stuart Shanker. Good morning, Susan. <laughs> How are you today? Uh, I'm actually pretty good. <laughs> You're in a different room than we usually film. I, I love seeing the light coming through uh, your upstairs. <laughs> You know, the skylights are lovely. And I'm watching the fog rolling in over the lake. It's <laughs> I was lucky enough to see Stuart. And I say lucky because we used to see each other once a week uh, when we would, uh, I would trek, uh, you know, trek my way out to his place and we would do some filming for various courses with the Merritt Center. And, you know, COVID disrupted that. So I don't see him as much. I, I feel like I do because of uh, online, but I don't see him. Uh, as often anymore, and I got a chance to uh, to pass on through and see his 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 uh, his new digs and all the windows and all your beautiful plants that you've been growing like crazy. Yep. <laughs> you know, <laughs> COVID COVID brings new hobbies into our lives, doesn't it? Yes. So this show is brought to you by the Merritt Center. So that's the organization uh, that Stuart founded. He's the visionary, and I'm the one that uh, that runs it. But there are many players involved, many people uh, that are part of uh, the team and part of uh, you know the self reg community. And this podcast uh, wouldn't happen without all of them. And in, in part, it is for uh, for our community, the, the the people that learn a little bit of self-reg, learn a little bit of the science, begin to think about how to apply it, and are always clamoring for more. Uh, but it's also for folks who may not know any of that, may not know even what self-reg is, and be trying to address some of, uh, you know, some of the challenges that they're facing in their professional work, uh, working with children and youth, or in their families. Uh, you know, and often uh, what we find is we end up begin to think about how it how it affects ourselves as well because self-reg truly is for everyone. So I want to start today, Stuart, with a story. Okay. Uh, and it is uh, it's it's something uh, that an, an early childhood educator said to me last week. And it, it keeps staying with me and ringing back in, you know in my in my mind's eye because uh, I don't know there was just there was something about the questions that she asked and the statements that she made that I that I really um, I don't know. I, I felt I felt there's there's more self reg that we can bring into it. I think that it's it was such an important statement, um, but it also uh, gives me a chance to tell you just how important early childhood educators are uh, here in our home province in Canada of Ontario, but across Canada, across the world. I mean the. If we already knew you've been advocating. Me too. That's how we actually met <laughs> through through uh, through early childhood work. Been advocating uh, uh, for early childhood, not just the importance of it, but the the, the people who do the work for for a long time. Yeah. Uh, and more and more people are getting that message, and uh, uh, so it gives me a chance to celebrate that because she came and she came up afterwards. I was doing this talk. 
and it was uh, in a, for, I don't know, there were about 150 people in the audience, and most of them were early childhood educators. And uh, I, I only had about 75 minutes, uh, so it wasn't a very long time. Uh, but she came up afterwards, as people will often do, they'll come up and and you often ask you a question. Uh, and she said, I got three things to tell you. She was very, you know, straightforward about it. She said, the first one is, she said, I've been doing this work for almost 23 years. And uh, I love kids. I love what I do. And the last two years have been the hardest two years uh, of, 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 of my life, of my profession. And she Perfect. said... She said, thank you for, for honoring that and, and, you know, and, and validating that today. She said, but I need you to tell everybody <laughs> the message, That's you know, reason. you know, and so that was one. So before I tell Stuart, the second thing that she said to me, for those of you, I know some of you are just on the audio. For those of you uh, on the, the, the video version, uh, you know, watching this through our YouTube channel, uh, it's like playing a, a little game of what what's changed in Susan's background. <laughs> Did you notice? Yeah. So it's it's my dog Sophie. So she is now in the background. She is uh, on her in her place. Uh, but we had to we clearly paused and had to continue on. So uh, anyway, glad to have Sophie part of it. So the second thing she said to me, Stuart, um, was that that she really appreciated um, learning about stress, a little bit about, um, you know, the science of stress. She said that, you know, she has learned some things about self-regulation. Early childhood educators have been, many teachers don't know this, but they've been learning. Self-regulation is, has, is in their courses for decades now. Now yeah. there's different definitions of self-regulation and, you know, it, it may not be exactly the ones that we're working with, but some element of it, you know, they've been talking about it for a long time. It's in, it's in their training. Um, but she said, I, I thought I understood stress and uh, and I'm now thinking about it completely differently. That's okay? interesting. Which was, you know, and then she went, you know, wants to learn more. But but she, the big thing for me was the 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 her eyes light up when she said that. She said, "I needed some hope because yeah. I've been doing this for a long time, and I, I'm tired, and I keep thinking, you know, is it time to 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 leave the profession or, you know, and that's not what we want, right? Um, you know, she also said that we don't laugh as much as we used to, which really stayed with me. She said. It used to, we used to laugh. The children used to laugh more. We're not laughing as much. So, um, you know, that really kind of stayed with me because not just the fact that that is the problem, but that really understanding what stress is, which we talked about in our last podcast. And so for those of you that haven't haven't seen or heard that one, go back to the, the last podcast because Stuart did a great job of unpacking that. Um, last time. Uh, but she said that it, it was hope because all of a sudden it's like, oh, you're not saying the same old thing, <laughs> right? Or or I'm, there's something new I can learn here. Anyway, and she felt it very good about that. But the third one really stayed with me. She said, okay, uh, so now, you know, uh, let's get to the nuts and bolts of it, which we hear, right? Show me the strategy. Uh, it's sort of something that can often be, be, be asked. And we have that saying, you are the strategy, which, uh, uh, you know, there's so, it, it, it's not just head knowledge um, and it's not just a, some skills. Some skills are part of it for sure. Uh, but, you know, we, we've got to feel it in that, uh, we call it heart knowledge, but it's really an embodied understanding of this, uh, recognizing ourselves in the mix as part of the part of the journey. Uh, but she said, you know, so I understand from just a couple of things you said 
that this child who's showing up to my my center every day, you know, and and arrives and we already know it's going to be a day, you know, that child walks in and sometimes it's obvious because they're fighting with parent or whatever. Sometimes it's not. You just already know it's going to be a day. And uh, there is a predictable tantrum that's happening almost every day. And that, um, you know, sometimes this kid has to go home. We're supposed to be doing inclusion, but we don't have the skill set. And like, I know this is a huge question. And we're, we can't unpack it in a podcast. Folks that, you know, really want to dive deep into this kind of stuff. Uh, our early childhood course is terrific. Um, and, you know, really gives you a chance to unpack it. But her question was very valid. She's like, so I got an inkling from what you shared that there really is no such thing as a tantrum. And she said, helpful. And it's like, where do I even start? You know, so, okay, I can get that it's not a, a, a you know, it, it's not a real thing. I can get the idea that, okay, it, it, it's, it's an external thing I'm seeing, right? But what do I do? Where do I start? And, and, and I just thought it was a really, um, a really good question of it because we, we want to help people. How do we help people and where do we start? So I wanted to open with that and see, uh, you know, what you think. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, I wanted to start with a, a story as well. Uh, and the two stories mesh pretty well. So maybe my story will start us off in answering your story. Uh, I noticed around, I wanted to do something kind of seasonal. Today is November 24th that we're taping this. I'm not entirely sure when Susan's going when Adam's going to air this. Uh, but it would be pretty close to Christmas. And I noticed something very uh, puzzling with my own kids uh, at Christmas. And that was every single Christmas I knew that there were going, there was going to be a blow up. There was going to be tantrums. There was going to be meltdowns. Um, I knew that there would be chaos. Uh, this started when they were very young. And if anything, it got worse. So one year I'm watching all this and I'm thinking, I thought to myself, geez, you know, I'm doing all this work at Mary. Uh, surely uh, we as a team, the Mary team can come up with some explanation of why this is happening and what I can do to finally have a nice Christmas, if that's conceivable. Yeah. So. Um, I knew, I already knew that, uh, you know, there's a lot of research telling, uh, I should just add that my older boy uh, has autism and my younger boy has pretty severe ADHD. So I knew that for uh, both, you know, populations, if you like, uh, getting a gift is a stress. And Susan and I had a nice talk last, uh, in our last podcast about how uh, stress is anything that burns energy, essentially. But that struck me as being, um, you know, way too simple an answer of what was going on here. Um, you know, sort of like, well, maybe the secret to having a nice Christmas uh, is not to have presents. Um, and that wasn't going to fly. And so I had a, a, a full team meeting. Uh, and we had a fairly large uh, team at Mary at our research institute at York. And I put the question to them. Um, 
I want to have um, a list of the major stresses that affect children that require kids to burn energy. I'm not sure what I was expecting. Maybe, you know, maybe a couple dozen stresses. And they just kept on coming back with more and more. And eventually I said, we got to stop. Uh, We stopped at 650. (laughs) That's a lot of stress. (laughs) And and not very helpful because my goal was, you know, I was looking at, um, you know, tools that would help parents. Something, say, at Christmas time that would, you know, enable you to have, enable parents to have that sort of joyous uh, celebration that we all want full of peace and calm, which only seems to occur on a Hallmark movie. So giving parents a list of 650 stresses is a stress in itself. Uh, You know, when you're going down through the list and you're ticking off boxes, and I did that myself. I was doing that, trying to figure out um, uh, what were the major stresses involved with my own children. And I knew that this wasn't very this wasn't very helpful. Um, uh, I ended up ticking easily half of my six hundred and fifty, and I probably could have ticked them all. So we did. Uh, I got Devin to do something which, in psychology, it's called a factor analysis. And that what I wanted to do was I wanted to uh, group similar stresses so that we could reduce the number of things that parents had to think about. And eventually he came up with five groups of this list of 650. And what what I mean by that is that um, these would be, you know, we could stick, say, 50 of the stresses in what we call the physical domain, physical stresses like Susan and I looked at last, last podcast. So, you know, things like noise and lights and stuff like that. And... Uh, we ended up with five groupings, which became in in TMC became the five domains of stress: physical, emotion, cognitive, social, and prosocial. And it became clear to me, you know, right from the start, that at Christmas on Christmas Day, all five of those domains were uh, involved. Uh, It wasn't simply the stress of getting a present. Um, And I should add, you know, we were very, uh, my wife was unbelievably careful about, you know, finding out what they really wanted and getting them the things they wanted. Um, And I'm sure like me, most of you experienced, you know, that manic tearing off the wrapper, uh, having absolute delight with the present, which lasted for about a half an hour before the present broke. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then chaos shortly afterwards uh, arising. So we noticed something uh, as a team, we noticed something really interesting about our five domains. The first, well, we noticed several things. First, it was never just one domain. So uh, there was one thing that jumped out at you but let me stick with our example here. Um, with my kids, uh, it was a nightmare getting them to sleep the night before Christmas. It was a nightmare getting them to stay asleep on Christmas Day. 
So uh, to begin with, they were exhausted. And then uh, we had this terrible um, you know, custom where they got to make their own breakfast. Uh, that is not to be repeated. Breakfast was every conceivable form of sugar. Um, and so, you know, we started up adding up all of the physical stresses, uh, but there were others, okay? So we've got the emotion stress of excitement, uh, uh, maybe disappointment. We've got the physical stresses. They were multiple. Uh, we've got the cognitive stresses that were involved, uh, their expectations, their um, you know, uh, with a, what we found with the kid was those expectations always outstripped reality, um, and so on and so on. So, um, and all the stresses that had been going on leading up to Christmas, the stresses from at, that they were experiencing at school around this. Um, and it soon became clear to us that what we were looking at were multiple drains on the child's energy. Um, and so the tantrum uh, is really, I love the uh, third point you made in your story. The tantrum is really, um, it comes, we won't do it today, but it comes from very deep inside the brain. Um, and it's basically a, a sign that this kid is running on empty, that the fuel has been used up. But then we noticed something even more interesting. And I'm talking about the team now. Uh, we were uh, working with a, what's called a dynamic systems model in all of our research. And what we noticed was that there are dynamic relationships or connections between the various stresses. Now, let me just explain in English what that, would, what that means for a parent. Um, so obviously it means that if the kid is say tired or tired, maybe in a sleepy sense, or maybe just, you know, in, in that sort of low energy, high tension state, um, it means that uh, there is likely going to be, you know, that, that trigger for emotion stress, for getting too excited or for getting disappointed. But to say it's dynamic tells us something very interesting, and that is the one stress changes the threshold for a stress response in a different domain. That's what we mean when we talk about this being a dynamic connection or a dynamic relation. So I can give a really easy example of this. Um, uh, another mistake that we would make is... Um, Christmas lunch or Christmas dinner was always a social affair. And so with family or friends. So now we've got social stress added into the mix. But because of the other stress loads, because of the low energy state, this lowers the threshold for the amount of social stress that you can experience without having a meltdown. Threshold, stress thresholds change. Stress itself 
is uh, we didn't mention this last week, but we think of in self a TMC. We think of stress as a dynamic concept. Um, the um, the extent to which something is stressful is as much a function of your internal state as the stimulus. So when I'm really tired, I absolutely hate social events. I find the noise too much. I find the crowds too much. I find talking, small talk. Is, is, but when I'm in a sort of supercharged energy state, I adore social interactions. Uh, I find them energizing. So uh, I'm just going to pause for one second. I've got two more points uh, to make here. But but what we're trying, uh, what I'm trying to explain, is why the five domain model um, is such a is such a an eye opener for parents as we as we start you know we think well this was the stress this is the obvious stress you know i got the wrong color sweater or whatever but in fact there's multiple things that have lowered the threshold for that for that emotion stress uh outbreak so i love everything you've just shared and it's interesting you you and i share that about social Yes, we do. Um, social in our team knows because we yes, uh, we do get-togethers, especially after our uh, annual summer symposium, which we're back to face-to-face this year. Yay! Um, we usually come to my place and have a barbecue or what have you, and and we love it. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I do. I it it uh, there's I, so many wonderful moments and memories. Like I still remember our first self reg baby, which uh, was one of our team yes. members, you know, Stevens. Uh, yeah. And it's just really I thinking do. about these connections, but they can be real. I find small talk, small talk actually very difficult. Uh, I can talk about kids or self-reg or these days it's gardening or animals or, you know, the state, I can talk about those things forever to anybody. Well, you know what though? There, I am, I do find it, uh, it challenges. Oh, I love talking gardening with you. Yeah, I know. And uh, so, so it really resonates, but I just want to um, take a, just take a moment and a pause and I'm going to, I, I wanted to, give a, uh, an in-the-moment experience of the five domains and answer a few questions that some of you may have had just by what you heard from Stuart, okay? Or some of the things you may have noticed. So when I think about the biological stressors, um, you know, when I that you're experiencing right now, like how are you hearing our sound? What are you seeing in the That's video? You know, good. are there, I, I know that, that uh, our producer, Adam, is like sound levels and these sorts of things, right? Uh, an emotion stressor. Did you feel frustration that Stuart didn't directly dive? In? Just an example. Maybe you did, maybe you didn't, but didn't drive right in and answer the question about a tantrum, right? The cognitive stressor. So we do this to people all the time with our acronyms. What, what does he mean by that? What does he mean by that? So, so I'm just going to tell you, Mary was a, a research institute at York University, and it's an acronym, and it, it really um, laid the groundwork for the organization um, 
TMC, which stands for the Merit Center. Um, and I'm also going to, uh, I'm sure there were, uh, Devin was the lead scientist there. So we, we should link, uh, we'll have Adam link, uh, one of my favorite papers you did with Devin, which we'll get to down the road, but is, uh, um, reducing the effort and effort control, the control, which is just a terrific paper. Uh, so it, I, I may not have touched all the things that you had cognitive stressor. What does he mean? What does he mean? But noticing that, right? So the social stress, the social stressor, I guess you could think about, you know, how you related to what, what we just shared about, about, um, social, maybe you're watching this with a group of others. There could be some, some social pieces to that, but the pro-social stressor is one that, that I, I absolutely want to jump in at. So if you heard Stuart start his story around Christmas and, and Christmas is not something you celebrate, uh, you know, or, or, or practice that can feel like a pro-social stress and injustice. You're not included. It can, it can actually um, make us feel separated. And it's important for you to know that it, it's an example. It could be any of the celebrations, and Stuart himself is Jewish, <laughs> right? So what we're thinking of is, is when we use that, it's a really important example I, I celebrate in my family. But I can also think of an exact example of going to a birthday party and watching uh, two two-year-olds, they were toddlers, um, when the presents went to be open, it was a, a birthday party for a three-year-old and there were, you know, two to 10-year-old kind of kids there. They they got into a, a full-on fist fight when the presents were being opened, right? So you can apply it to anything in your life. So just a chance to kind of play with those uh, those five, yeah. uh, five domains of stress and, and then to flip it back to you, Stuart. Uh, I realized yesterday I sent, um, I sent a message uh, to some of the, some of the members of the team uh, and I used the expression Toto Kylo and uh, I didn't realize I was stressing everybody out. Um, and Susan made fun of it. Um, <laughs> I have a joke that lots of messages, Stuart, and it's true. It's not actually not true, uh, but I actually do it. I share it to reduce other people's stress. So they realize I don't know what he means either. So I get off to Google, I go, right? Okay. So I'm going to apologize <laughs> to everybody in advance of this podcast series. I was thinking, you know, you can take the boy out of Oxford, but you can't take <laughs> Oxford out of the boy. That's where the rest of us come in. <laughs> Okay, so uh, I want to make two more points about these five domains. Um, and the next point is there's a whole chapter on this in the 2016 book, um, uh, Self-Rake. It's really one of my favorite stories. It's stuck with me, and I'm not going to repeat the story now. you got to go read the book. Um, but it's the story of the mom whose uh, daughter had asked for a gray, uh, a pink hoodie and mom had bought a gray one because that's all they had left. Um, and there was a huge blow up. And then the next morning, um, you know, after the mom had done self-reg that the, the evening before, the next morning, the kid came downstairs wearing the gray hoodie um, and really feeling deep affection for what mom had done for her. Um, and the point of that story and the point of what I want, the point I want to make now is don't assume that you know what the major stressor is. Um, quite often what we find is that uh, as we start to uh, delve into, say, the physical domain um, or the cognitive, um, that that was actually that was actually the major issue, um, and it lowered the threshold for what we thought for what was so glaring 
for what the fight was about, we'll say. But, um, you know, Susan's example just now, uh, the little guys having a fist fight, um, I'm pretty sure that Susan's talking about a birthday party that we had given our kids. (laughs) Uh, We also had the fist fight. Um, But of course, and, you know, you could jump, you could jump into uh, the assumption that, well, you know, it was they were jealous or um, they were exercising dominance or whatever. But in fact, what it really was, was all the physical stresses that were going on at the party. Um, And uh, that's a real, um, that's a real uh, important lead in for the last point. And that is you've got these five domains and what happens is the kid gets caught or we get caught in what we call a stress cycle. The stresses start bouncing around, influencing influencing each other, um, causing stress reactions to grow. And in fact, we can explain all this uh, in terms of uh, the neurochemicals that are happening Uh, And I just want to spend one second on that because we did it last week. Remember, stress is is anything that requires us to burn energy to stay in balance. When you get caught in a stress cycle, you start producing more and more neurochemicals that make you kind of crazy or irrational. (laughs) You're starting. So what's happening is your brain's responding to this lower uh, stress state, this lower energy state, by producing um, what are called catecholamines, uh, and these give us uh, surges of adrenaline, surges of uh, something called norepinephrine or surges of dopamine, and the chemicals take over. And so if I've got a child now that's caught in a stress cycle where their their brain and their and their circulatory system are just suffused with these what are essentially survival uh, neurochemicals um, the last thing that I can do is uh, say well you know let's all have a time out you know we're gonna just calm down uh, you go go to your rooms um, the problem is, is that if you try that, and by the way, we did try this. Mm-hmm. This is in my very, very early days, you know, sending them to their room for, you know, take one of your toys, go to your room for 15, 20 minutes to calm down. But it's a very interesting problem. And this is a really important one for us. On your own, on their own, a kid can't reduce those neurochemicals they still keep circulating through the system. And so when they come back out or, you know, you, you know, you think, well, now maybe we can have a nice lunch together. They're still full of all these jangly neurochemicals. And so we haven't done anything to turn them off. So how do we turn them off? Well, that's what we were doing last week, last podcast. We turn it off with stroking and a cuddle and, and um, you know, using our voice. Um, all these ways that, that trigger the chemicals that turn off the ones that are making our child go into a tantrum. So what did we do in terms of 
Christmas. What did we actually learn from this? Well, we learned a couple of things. Number one, we had to reduce the stresses that we could. And we looked at all five domains and we were really, really careful now. Careful about sleep, careful about breakfast, careful about, uh, careful about not overwhelming them with presents. Mm -hmm. um, it seems like such a nice thing to do, but in fact, it's a stress. Um, and then making sure that we had, uh, so we started a new game. And the new game was, this is when they were little, um, who can give the best hug? And the winner would get a prize. But what we were really doing was, um, uh, you know, getting that, 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 uh, uh, they're called uh, their skin receptors that trigger the good chemicals. And I would take advantage of this and rub the back and, and do all those things. And what the reason I mentioned it is to this day, so I got a 21 year old son and an 18 year old son. And to this day on Christmas day, they will ask me after we've gone through the present opening, when are we going to play the hug game? Okay, so what we want, so we need to bring in these, these, you know, we need new routines that through self-reg, we understand, are going to trigger the counter-stress response. It's not enough to say, to just reduce the stresses. We've also got to, we've got to trigger, activate the neurons that calm the nervous system down. And you know what? They learn it and they learned it. Our kids learned it by the time they were teens. Um, didn't always practice it and still don't practice it, but, <laughs> but it's there. The knowledge is there and it'll come back when they need it. I, you know, there's so much in there. I, I think one of the things I want to emphasize is a point that you made that I've never heard you quite, you probably have, and I just didn't, didn't really jump onto it uh, as much as I will now going forward. I always learn something new with you, Stuart. But really talking about, um, you know, uh, when we when we give you send children away for whatever reason, or they're by themselves, that they can't uh, reduce the neurochemicals. That's different than saying dial down the stress or we find they're calm. It's like that brings it to life. Like no, you're you're actually trying. You know, sometimes I think about trying to reduce the heart rate, like turn the knob. It's more yeah. complicated than that, um, right? And and remember that quiet is not the same as genuine calm. So that's a really important one for can us. I, can I say something to that? Absolutely. Okay. So what you just said is huge. So what Susan just said was turn down the heart rate. That's exactly right. That's what we want to do. But it raises a really interesting question. What turns down the heart rate? Well, we know the answer to that. So if you've done a little bit of self-reg with us, you know that it's the parasympathetic system. It's a, it's a chemical called acetylcholine. And what that does is it turns down the heart rate. It turns down breathing rate. It turns down blood pressure. But here's the interesting thing. When you get older, you can do this on your own. When you get older, you can learn how to turn, you can learn how to activate these neurochemicals like acetylcholine um, or oxytocin, you can learn how to do this um, through meditation or listening to music. Kids can't, right? It's just a kid. 
but what they can do. So, so, so the, the interbrain, which we haven't really talked about very much, was designed for us to trigger those things that dial down the heart. And pretty soon as they get older, we're hoping they're going to learn how to do it for themselves. But in the beginning, they can't. It's a great, it's a great metaphor, that dialing down the heart. And, you know, so the inner brain is us, right? It's the relationships. And so yes. that, that kid from the original question that I got about the tantrum, uh, you know, if, even if we just sort of think about uh, what Stuart has just shared, so, and we use the, I, I, I like the term behaviors communication, but I'm very worried about it because it's so overused and it's become, um, it, it, it actually, you know, is used in different ways where it becomes a behavior strategy or whatever. And, and that's not really what it is in suffering. It's saying, hmm, <laughs> why and why now? But you have to know there is always more to understand. And yet very much like Stuart shared in the beginning, it's not like this is not just for the clinical people. I'm not a clinician. This is for all of us. And that it's not that we need to know every single stressor. It's not even possible. Stress is not the enemy here. It's too much stress. And when we see the signs of it bursting out in behavior, it's explosive, but it can be inward too. The shutting down, we get a teenager with the hoodie, the, you know, grumbly stuff, right? You know that, but you know that those are all something for us to go, hmm, why and why now? And then we try to think about, uh, what we know and what we notice. And it, it's this, it is very much an awareness. Uh, it, it, it is a skill set. You learn, you, you know, if you're like, I don't know how to learn this, you keep, you got to keep engaging, keep engaging. Uh, courses for me are the best way, but Stuart, you know, the books are a big help. We have a new, uh, Stuart's last book that he just mentioned, the 2016 parenting book in front in French right now. So, um, you know, they're definitely a point of entry, uh, participating in podcasts, they're always, but it does come. And it's just one day you notice we have a lot of self-regulators say, once you see it, you can't unsee it. So it just, it begins to be infused in everything you do and everything you see. Does that mean you always get it right? And I wanted to share this example from last night for any of you who are like, oh my God, I'm, you know, I can't do this or where do I start? Uh, so this is me, you know, a decade into learning with Stuart uh, you know, two and a half decades in education. I know a fair bit. And like most days I wake up and realize the more I know, the less, you know, the less I know, um, there's always more to understand. Uh, but I know a lot of self-reg. I'm pretty good at this. I've actually, you know, been doing it with my daughter, um, most of her life in some kind of way. And in, in fact, on the holidays come around, I, for my own stress, to be honest with you, I, I insist and have, and I don't even have to do it anymore. It's just part of what we do that on, on, it's on Christmas morning, but it could be any holiday morning that I insist that, that the people that are part of that, we open one at a time, we take our time, uh, we clean up as we go, uh, just, and it's, it's so much nicer, right? And it's, it's not just the quiet, it's honoring that somebody put energy into whatever that gift was. So yeah, it's great. I love it. And if you're saying my house is a free for all, you can, you can reset that. You can disrupt stuff and say, okay, start talking about it now though. And, you know, and, and, uh, you know, rewrite that narrative. So I do all of those things. I do lots of stuff, right? (laughs) Yesterday, yesterday. So, you know, I know we started with early years, but this applies to, uh, to parenting. It applies to teaching. It applies to just about anything. I want you to know that, that this, this compassion and this, this message you're hearing from Stuart doesn't mean bubble wrapping and it's not no boundaries and no accountability. No, because believe it or not, that's a stress around kids. 
right? It's that predictable, you know, that they they can count. There are so many th- reasons why those things are important. And when our kids get older, like Boster and I with our, our teenagers have tried to figure out, you know, where our role is. And you're, it, it's, it is dynamic and, it, and it's, you know, we, we, we want to be part of our kids' lives, but encourage independence because independence is really important. Well, yesterday I had a, a variety of stressors that are accumulating. I'm, I'm, you know, going through parenting a teen, which is a big learning curve for me and, and mostly, you know, <laughs> doing okay. But uh, there's been some very hard moments, very hard ones. And trying to find my way through and self-reg has really been my GPS, right? It's it's helped me figure out how to respond. But I have to, I, there's no easy answers. I didn't go and buy a book and it told me what to do. I had to take what I learned and apply it and 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 learn some things the hard way. Um, but yesterday, you know, I've, I've been feeling this real sense of injustice <laughs> around uh, being a taxi service. And in, in fairness <laughs> to my daughter, you know, uh, she lives, we don't live that far away from others, um, but it is two kilometers and there is no easy, well-lit sidewalks to get here. So there is a very dark part of town with woods and all those things. So it's it's not as easy as saying I walked when I, you you know, uh, so I, I do a little bit. Uh, I, I really wanted my daughter, I wanted to be part of her life in the teenage years because I didn't have that. And I, I think that it's important. And I know the son, the research says it is and trying to navigate that. But I feel a sense of injustice every time I'm kept waiting. <laughs> you know, I pay for the phone so that I can reach you this kind of stuff. And it and I, you know, even as you see my face, it's like that self-control, <laughs> but it's yeah, real. Everybody, everybody on this is going. <laughs> it's real, right? And and I'm always trying to like manage my own state and notice it and remember, you know, all those kinds of things. And I, and it's not that I have no boundaries or no rules and it's not that I don't ever talk, but I pick my moments. I don't do it in the heat of a moment, but there's a lot of, a lot, you know, uh, Sienna calls them pep talks. I think I told you last time, I, they're not pep talks. From my perspective, they're they're really trying to sort of lay the groundwork, and like it it it, it drives me a little bit bonkers. So yesterday, I had to pick her up. Uh, you know, I had done all laid all the you know a million times, and uh, I get a I, I can't reach her, and uh, and then I get a last minute request, and can you drive this person home or whatever? And she had to be she had to be home for dinner, and then she rides she horseback rides once a week, um, uh, which I'm really you know, it's expensive and I'm trying to keep her in because trying to keep those good things in her life. Right. But I navigated a lot anyway. So I, I get her home um, and then I get her to riding with like four seconds to spare. Okay. And so you can imagine I've worked all day, I've, blah, blah, blah. And I come home. And so some of you are going to be shocked when I tell you what I did, but uh, it, you know, I, I just want to say this is about being human and, uh, um, that I have, uh, I've laid the groundwork with Sienna since she was little, because I, I know just from prior work, I know a lot about, um, you know, how to, how to create safety around kids online, uh, and some of the things you do from the young age. And I have a very, a personal, um, situation that happened to a friend of mine's niece that I know very well, that was very, very tragic. And it's always stayed with me, um, you know, about kids being online without supervision. So since Sienna has been little, like, like little, I have told her, I will be, you know, I'll be looking over your shoulder. Sometimes I will even go in and look at things. I will try to not respect your privacy, but I'm doing it out of love. And, 
And so it, it's harder in the teenage years, of course, but I still do that. And I still do it occasionally. And she's okay with it. I don't suggest you you start this with your child if they're 14 and you have never introduced this before. Um, but I also don't suggest you don't do it do it behind them because um, that, that creates a, a mistrust. So anyway, I came home last night and I was convinced. I had negative bias in my mind, all these bad things and there's, there are things I'm navigating, like keeping her in classes and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I, I, I dropped her off. She had left her phone at home to charge. And so I, I went in to have a, have a look. And I had, had these suspicions of these things, selling stuff on. Like, like, I just had these suspicions. And I went in and I found zilch. And I had to sit down and go, okay, Susan, <laughs> Right. Um, you know, there is, uh, what gets, what gets apparent to that point where we're like, <laughs> right. And, and, and it wasn't, I'm actually in a fairly good place overall. I've been working on myself, reg and my own well being uh, quite intensely, especially step five, the restoration, which I more than just stress management and it's, it's making a difference. So I actually recovered from it very quite quickly um, but I, I, you know, what gets me in that state of assuming the worst of it, you know, expecting negative things and, and, and it was a real shift for me. It was a real shift for me. And guess what happened when I picked her up? <laughs> you know, it was, it was the Sienna that I had been kind of trying to seek all along. So, uh, you know, I just wanted to share that because this is about being a real human and, and in retrospect, I wish I hadn't have done that, um, and even even if I've laid the groundwork to let her know I, I do that from time to time, it's usually with her. Uh, and and how did I get to that moment yesterday in that particular time? It's because this is us too. And a timeout was not what I needed. <laughs> what I needed was, you know, was uh, some moments to reflect and then a chance to reconnect because that was what I was missing um, was the connection with her. Can you relate, Stuart? <laughs> Well, I think we all do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was going to say to you at one point, you know, I was so excited when they got their licenses. I thought, I don't have to be, I don't have to be the taxi service anymore. Yeah. So my 18 year old, my older boy, um, he said he was going to, uh, he, he wanted to take the car. He was going into town uh, he'd only he'd be back in about half an hour. So four hours later, uh, we're trying to figure out. You know, we're ready now to we're ready now to call the police. Actually, uh, we were we were right. convinced that he'd had a halt. That he'd had an accident. Uh, anyways, he finally he shows up, and, and you know by this point we're in pretty bad shape. Where the hell were you? Oh well, we all decided that would be fun to drive up to Bancroft. <laughs> that is a good drive. Yeah, that's a good drive. Wow. And then, and then, so my wife sort of hits the roof, and then he says, "By the way, um, can I have a hundred bucks for gas? Uh, I left the tank empty, and I'm not sure that you've got enough left to even get to the gas station." Okay, so it doesn't get easier. <laughs> but I loved Susan's story, and it was a great it was really a great wrap up for what we were trying to do with the five domains. Um, and what her message was for all of us is these five domains are about you and me. Uh, they're not yeah. just about our kids. 
And And maybe Susan, in a future one, it would be good if we could talk a little bit about the interbrain. That might be something worth uh, explaining. I think that might be where we go next. And, you know, I want you all to hear. uh, So how do I solve a tantrum? Uh, Tantrum is a label. It's a term that's applied. You know, we tend to think of it for young children at a certain age, at two or three, we call it a tantrum. It brings to mind a a visual, you know, you're in the middle of a big store and whatever it is. Uh, But that was that you could have easily called that an adult tantrum that I had last night. If you'd have been here and been able to see the stress chemicals through my brain and body, and you, you would have been a different Susan than, than maybe who you see most of the time. Happens. Or, throwing, <laughs> or, or throwing ketchup against the wall. Absolutely. And, you know, it's like, why and why now? So where do you start? Uh, there's a lot to learn. And I wish it was as simple as giving you a blog or 10, 10 tips. They can help. But, but there is more learning, you know, to unlearn this way of thinking, this self-controlism, this, you know, everything's a shoulda, coulda, woulda in the individual. Uh, we've been marinating in it in our whole lives. Our culture has yes. as well. And to unlearn, it takes some time, some time of being with, being with others who, who are open um, and beginning to, to explore this. Validating for many people that, that are interested in this, it validates something that they, they feel but maybe weren't able to trust uh, enough, you know, there that inner kind of sense, uh, and 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 it's just more learning and thinking why and why now, recognizing it with those soft eyes, even in yourself, in your in that child, that that behavior is not where I stay. When I see it, I'm like, oh wow, <laughs> you know, and I know that's been coming for a long time. Mine last night wasn't about last night, you know, or at five o'clock or six o'clock, whenever it happened. It was about two o'clock in the afternoon and three, and what I could have done at noon, you know, to right instead of working straight through. And so there is hope. There are hows and uh, self-reg is your journey forward. So Stuart, last word is yours. I'm going to quote you. There is hope. (laughs) So have a nice Christmas, everybody. There's loads of hope. Thank you very much. And I just want to, before we close out, thank you all for participating. Please share our podcast with your friends or anyone who you think might might uh, be interested in it. There's all kinds of ways to share, as you can see in uh, in in the notes of, of wherever you're watching this. Uh, we also would love to have comments and questions, so please feel free to to respond to those. And I want to thank the Merit Center uh, for for funding this, uh, and uh, our, our Adam Kemp, who is our our producer and online here and behind the scenes for doing all the heavy lifting. So thank you all very much, and uh, let's self rag on, right? Happy self ragging to you, as we said last time. Yeah. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye-bye, everybody.